Welcome to The Antique Show. We talk antiques, collectibles and art and all the news and events from Australia and around the globe. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Oh, thank you, voiceover guy. I reckon your voice is getting sweeter and sweeter every single week. Welcome to episode four of The Antique Show. Firstly, apologies. I had man flu last week. Or as one of my staff members said, maybe not a flu, but maybe just a cold. Either way, it was a man flu or a man cold. Think about those. They only really affect about 48% of the population. So it must be bad. Anyway, I could barely put together a coherent sentence and my voice had almost gone. So no episode last week. So what that means this week and bumper-packed episode full of local and international news, we discover a South Australian sculptor, John Dowie. We talk with one of Australia's top estate auctioneers, and we find out what things are really worth. Now, for those who are 40-plus, like myself, do you remember those small, poorly-wrapped plastic toys that are found in the bottom of your Kellogg's cornflakes? packets. And I remember as a kid being elbow deep, spreading cornflakes over my nana's kitchen floor as my sister and I struggled to see who could get in and get the uh, little plastic toy out. They're called cereal premiums. So we want to find out a little bit more about cereal premiums. And joining me in the studios of the Antiques Show down at the Learn Antiques headquarters at Grange is our man behind the glass. Man of few words, Mark. There he is waving away. He does a huge amount of work behind the scenes to put this show together and as the voiceover guy said my name is Jason Harris and it's a pleasure to be with you for this episode of The Antique Show. Now without further ado, the news. The Auction and Antique News, brought to you by The Antique Show. And kicking off the news, this is local news now. The auction records for six female artists and a number of sleepers made for a very exciting auction for both sellers and buyers at Davidson's Fine Art Auction Sale on Sunday the 21st of July. David Angelero's collection of Australian women artists created a buzz and the results were a testament to this. Christine Asquith-Barker is a case in point. Both paintings in Davidson sale sold very successfully and way above their estimates. With auction results like these, more focus is warranted on the great many forgotten women artists of the late 19th and early 20th century. And more local news... This is on Kasala Furniture. Now, the internationally famous and colourful Kasala Furniture and Homewares products have made their first appearance at EJ Angers on July the 30th. Now, it's rare for Kasala Furniture to be offered in Australia, and the 10 lots in the sale is double the number of lots recorded in any auction sales over the last 11 years. The 70s retro items still carry the innovative design flair, which has once again become popular in more than 20 countries. And we've seen that very locally as well with the teak furniture that we keep reporting on. Now, the auction contained an eclectic mix with several dolls, lights, chandeliers, mirrors, ornaments, display cabinets, wardrobes attracting strong buyer interest. Now, into international news. I'm going to bring up a photograph of this. I know you can't see this on the podcast. This is about a rare travelling doll's house that sold for 
with buyer's premium, 60,000 euros. And this was sold at Fonzie Mealy Auctioneers in Kilkenny in Ireland last week. Now this is against a, an estimate of three to $4,000. It's a two-bedroomed miniature house made in 1810 to entertain children on long journeys and was sold to a UK private collector bidding by telephone. Now I think this one's a bit tongue-in-cheek. The Irish Times noted that even by the standards of the inflated Irish property market, the hammer price achieved for the doll's house was exceptionally high. Boom, boom. Now onto some comics. A vast number of vintage comics comprising approximately 130,000 from three different collections were sold across two two-day sales in Newcastle by Anderson and Garland uh, on the 25th and the 26th of July. The primary collection is from a vendor in Leicestershire, which included first edition copies of some of the best-known Silver Age superheroes. A battered copy of The Amazing Fantasy number 15 was est is estimated at 5,000 to 8,000 pounds. That's for a battered copy. This was the final issue of the anthology title published by Marvel Comics where Spider-Man debuted, a co-creation of writer-editor Stan Lee and writer-artist Steve Ditko. Now on to Apollo 11. Of course, we've just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And some news out of New York, a NASA videotape recording of the Apollo 11 mission topped Sotheby's Space Exploration Sale in New York to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon, of the moon landing. Now, the running times of around 50 minutes each, the three metal reels covered the entire period of the lunar landing. They show astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin descending to the moon's surface on the 20th of July 1969 in higher resolution than the live television broadcast watched by the general public. It was estimated between $1 and $2 million US, and the recordings made a premium inclusive of $1.82 million dollars. And into, well, this really sort of straddles between local and international news. Now, for those who are fans of cricket, take the first test in 1979, 1980s Ashes series between Australia and England held at the Wacker in Perth, December 1979. Now, this is when Ian Botham bowled at Dennis Lilly. He was expecting the usual ball on Willow response, but instead he heard a very strange clang. And that was because Lily was using the combat. Now, it was a bat that was made out of aluminium. And England kicked up such a stink about this that the bat was later banned. Anyway, this bat came up for sale in an English auction room and sold for £5,200. Now, we move on to a bit of news about the Olympics. Two Olympic posters which are offered for sale by Swan Auction Galleries in New York on August the 7th illustrate the convoluted history of Olympic Games during the Second World War era. The 12th Summer Olympiad was originally due to be held in Tokyo, but because of the ongoing Sino-Japanese War, resulted in the Games being rescheduled to take place in Helsinki from July to August of that year. A promotional poster was designed by Finnish artist for the occasion, but the outbreak of the Second World War in 1939 meant the Games were indefinitely postponed. The Finnish capital finally hosted the Games in 1952, and the design was duly updated. Now, on to some Qing period gold wedding boxes. This is quite an amazing story, and I wish you could actually see the image that I see in front of me. It's, they are a pair of 20-carat 
gold wedding boxes dating from the late Qing period, and they were offered at an auction in Singapore. Now, both boxes were embossed or are embossed with the 12 symbols of the Chinese zodiac on the lids, and they are finely chased and designed, beautifully done, decorated with a sign of the dragon and the rabbit, each identifying the marriage partner. They were acquired in 1956 by the Dowager Empress and the mother of the abdicated Emperor Bao Dai of Vietnam. And they come up for sale for between 18000 and 22000 Singaporean dollars, which really for these boxes is quite a low estimate. And finally, we go to a little bit of Russian rewards. The Jacksons of Cedar Falls, Iowa, has a reputation for selling Russian artworks. Its sale on the 30th of July, which is just now passed, included 19 lots from the collection of William Garner Wellborn that have remained within his family. Now, this is quite unusual because Wellborn made a world cruise in 1925, which took him, among other places, to Russia. Now, the set of six green cut liqueur glasses from the Imperial Banquet Service was produced in 1850 at the Imperial Glassworks at St. Peter's, are painted with Imperial arms and the gold initial A. They measure over four inches high, around about 10 centimetres, and have an estimate of three to four thousand dollars American. And that was the bumper edition of the local and international news. Word of the week. Aubusson. A-U-B-U-S-S-O-N. A flat tapestry woven covering of exceptional quality. They are named after the French manufacturer in Aubusson, established in 1664, where they first originated. Discover to find unexpectedly. Next time you walk down North Terrace, Rundle Mall, Victoria Square, or even the Adelaide Oval, you might notice small and large sculptures. These are all works by accomplished South Australian artist John Dowie. Now, for those of you that have lived, live or have visited Adelaide, the large fountain in Victoria Square is called Three Rivers. Many of the busts down North Terrace of South Australian luminaries, the girl on the slide in Rundle Mall, and even the ornate plaques on the Victor Richardson Gates are all John Dowie's works. Now whilst Dowie is best known for his sculptures, he was also an accomplished artist. Born in Prospect in 1915, Dowie was one of four children and at an early age he showed an aptitude for drawing. At the age of 10, Dowie attended the South Australian School of Arts, where he was taught by sculptor Robert Craig, and his other teachers included Leslie Wilkie and Ivor Hill. In 1936, he enrolled in the University of Adelaide in architecture, and at the same time was employed as a draftsman with Hubert Cowell & Co., and on top attended night classes at the School of Arts. The Second World War came, and John enlisted in the 2nd 43rd Battalion of the AIF and was one of what is now known as the Rats of Tobruk. When World War II ended, Dowie returned to Adelaide and the School of Arts to complete his studies. From 1960 to 1962, he was a lecturer and then president of the School of Arts. Now, whilst in Tobruk, Dowie met Sir Edward Haywood, whom, with his wife Lady Ursula, were avid art collectors, and they owned the now historic Carrick Hill. They introduced Dowie to many art luminaries, including Paul Gauguin, Auguste Renoir, and Sir Frank Brangwen. 
These influences persuaded Dowie to travel to London to study at the CAS, or the Sir John Cass School of Arts, Architecture and Design, and then he went on to Italy to study at the Florence Academy of Art. On his return to Adelaide, he worked mainly in oils and sculpture. In 1981, he was made a member of the Order of Australia in recognition of his service to the arts. In 2004, he was presented with an honorary doctorate from the Adelaide Uni. And in 2005, he was nominated Senior Australian of the Year. Now, sadly, Dowie died of a stroke in 2008 and was laid to rest in the small country town of Littlehampton. His works live on and are hopefully firmly entrenched in South Australian history. I invite you to visit Learn Antiques, where you can read, watch, learn and grow. www.learnantiques.com.au There's articles, news, video and podcasts, and it's all for free at Learn Antiques. www.learnantiques.com.au So weird stuff we collect this week, and there's a subject that takes me back to my childhood it's this one, serial premiums or serial box prizes. So, and these were released across the world. They were the little objects you would find, usually plastic, in the bottom of your Kellogg's cornflakes box or your Wheaties box. They could have been cards, plastic figures, toys, all sorts of things. Or, for those who have a really good memory, you used to sometimes have to cut out the bottom uh, barcode from the box and post it in and wait impatiently for your two cent prize to arrive in the post. I remember it dearly. Anyway, they're called serial premiums or serial box prizes. Now, the first ever recorded serial box prize was released by the Kellogg's Company in 1909. And it was the Funny Jungle Land Moving Picture Book. And you had to, as you bought the box of Kellogg's Cornflakes, you were given this picture book by the, the trade or the merchant who was selling the, uh, the cornflakes. Now, some of the, as I said, some of these had to be posted out to you. Um, some of them you found at the bottom of the boxes. Some you uh, got by redemption. Some were given to you by the uh, the uh, milk bar salesman or the supermarket. Anyway, they're an amazing collection. I was looking through a few websites, and I kid you not, there is a website called MrBreakfast.com. And Mr. Breakfast lists the top 50 serial prizes or serial premiums. And I'm, I'm not in no particular order. Some of these actually tickled my fancy. I remember some of these. Number seven is the Kellogg's Frogmen. And it has the marketing quote, they swim, they dive, they surface all by themselves. Now you've got to think these serial premiums or prizes were purely made to market and have little Johnny, little Timmy, little Susie say, mum, 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 I want that box because they just wanted that prize, that, that little piece. It's, it's really cool marketing in a lot of ways. There's also the Honeycomb Digital Watches. The, uh, this one's called Free Cash in Every Box. In 1986, Almond Delight Cereal was introduced with Rousons with exciting in-box promotion, Want Free Cash. And you could win up to $500. Uh, you could also get as low as a penny in each of those. That's very much a US thing. The number one cereal premium on MrBreakfast.com is the Sugar Bear 3-in-1 Yo-Yo. So it's a combination Yo-Yo, Whistle and Puzzle. And they came in the 
Super Sugar Crisps, yeah, around about 1974. It's a yo-yo. You can sleep it. You can spin it. You can walk it for those who are old enough to remember yo-yos. And you've got to collect all three. That is the number one. You can go to a couple of other sites and uh, one of them is called Me TV, and they list you know things like the Pink Panther Five in One Spy Kit. There's also now I've got to try and find this. There's the Jackson Five vinyl record. So this was actually stuck to the outside uh, Kellogg's cornflakes box, or the, uh, the fantastic type of stuff. Anyway, on to some prices for these collectibles, and it shouldn't surprise you, I suppose, that maybe they're not worth thousand dollars, they're certainly worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And you go to a site called The Antique Trader, and they list the Lone Ranger Six Shooter Ring. So it's literally a plastic ring with a mock-up six-shooter on the top, and they sell for around about $240 US at auction. And this one tickles my fancy, and I've got to read this one out. It's a Lone Ranger KIX Serial Atomic Bomb Ring. Now, this is during the atomic period, 1947. The ring was billed as a seething scientific creation and allowed you to see brilliant flashes of light in the inky darkness inside the atom chamber. And amazingly, it was perfectly safe to wear. And this is the type of marketing they had to entice children to buy these cereals. Anyway, they're called cereal premiums. We sold a collection of premiums, still packaged. These were like the monkeys and, and little plastic figures for about four or $500 for about 30 or 40 premiums. Come in all shapes and sizes. Anyway, very interesting cereal premiums or cereal box prizes. And my special guest this afternoon, joining me downtown in Scammell Auctions, the very delightful, the lovely general manager, auctioneer, appraiser, all-star, Adrian. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Jason. Thank you for interviewing me. I'm very excited by this. Now, I've known you for a long, long time, but rarely do we get a chance to actually sit down and just have a normal talk. Yeah, it's a been normal talk. a number of years, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's see how All we go, right. hey? Let's see how we go. <laughs> are you nervous? Not really, no. no you shouldn't be nervous no, at all. I'm never nervous, Jason. What I would like to know is the Adrian story. Mm. Now, I know a little bit about you. You're 41 now. Mm -hmm. Just turned 41. Yep. And you started officially in the auction business when you were 16. That's right. Yep. So 25 years ago. Yes. Yeah, a bit of a story to that. Um, was at school at the time, uh, done work experience for Adelaide Antique Auctions at the time when I was 15. Yes. Um, I was told by my teacher that I would never get a job. Okay. Um, after working, uh, doing work experience with Adelaide Antique Auctions, I had a phone call from uh, our star down the road, Tony Bond, and he said, would you like a full-time job? Um, and I took it up. That was it. Um, coming from an antique dealer background, my mum and dad being in the antique industry, um, I just jumped to it and uh, and I've never left. <laughs> so there we go. And That's 25 it. years later, you're... Absolutely. So you're yeah. A fair bit of time at Adelaide Auction. Yeah, about 12 years down the road, down at Adelaide Antique Auctions. Um, and, and that about was 13 uh, years at Scammell. 13 years here, right. coming up 14 Seems years soon. Almost yeah. like a lifetime. I know, it's it? a, yeah, it's a couple of days there, that's for sure. <laughs> so what got you kick-started in the industry, though? What attracted you to auctions and antiques? I think I just like stuff. Stuff, um, yeah. You know, like yeah, there, there's collectors out there for all sorts of things. I grew up around Australian colonial furniture um, and also dad collecting traction engines and stationary engines at the time. Um, so I really found an interest in in all sorts of old things, going to auctions um, as a young fellow to the Bullaroo Centre Lions Club auctions and 
standing next to the auctioneer and thinking, oh, I could do that one day. And then, uh, yeah. Because you're a country boy, aren't you? I am. Peterborough? Ex-Peterborough boy, absolutely. Okay. And Dad was in the railways? He was in the railways, yeah. um, and we ran an antique shop in the main street for a number of years okay. at the same time as well. So, yeah. No, so it's in the blood. In the blood. Great place to grow up and, uh, and typical country boy at heart as well. So okay. yeah, it's good. For our listeners, do you collect anything yourself? I am a bicycle enthusiast, although I probably don't look like one. Um, I collect 80s BMX bikes. Okay. Um, used to race them back in the early 90s um, with the Cross Keys BMX Club. Thought I was really good until I hurt myself a few times, but thoroughly enjoyed it. So, so Mongoose, Redline. Yeah, Mongoose, Redline, Hutch, GT, all the all the name brands. and okay. yeah, Then I just got addicted to them. And you've got a bit of an association <laughs> with Radelaide, is that? Yeah, we run a show once a year, yeah. um, so it's it's a really good show that we put on for the local BMX community, um, and actually we get a lot of interstates, uh, interstaters come through, um, and this year we've got uh, Stu Thompson, who's an ex-Redline rider from the US, coming over, so he's uh, making the trip here uh, to, to Radelaide, um, sponsored by Bicycle Works, so it's really good. Okay. So going back to auctions, yeah, Adrian, yeah. what's the most exciting item or collection I think the most standout thing uh, that I've ever auctioned, auctioned was a 1950 Vincent Black Shadow. Okay. Now, I love motorcycles. Um, and when you mentioned that we were possibly handling a Vincent Black Shadow, I jumped to the opportunity to give the lovely lady a call, headed out there the next morning and uh, secured the deal through Scammels. And I sold the Vincent Black Shadow for $97,500 wow. for the vendor. Okay. So beautiful bike um, and great to offer the collection of Ran about thirty bikes out of the out of the sheds, mm. um, but and that's part of the collectors' auctions that you've put together for us at Scammels, and that started and I remember that started what, about ten years ago. It did with yeah. collection of about humble beginnings, of parts and, <laughs> so, and now it's yeah. one of the biggest auctions in Australia for petronalia. That's and, right. So it, oil advertising, petrol advertising, so vintage oil bottles, enamel signs, um, oil advertising signs. Um, anything along the automobilia side of things, so vintage motorcycles. Um, this next sale, we've actually got a 1956 Volkswagen over window. Mm. Um, now, that's a lovely little car, and that's that's going under the hammer unreserved. Um, so th- th- there's a great range of uh, real sort of memorabilia for that sale that we've put together, and that I, I, I love doing that sale. That's definitely the, why, the favourite. Why do you think there's been... Because some of the prices we're getting for enamel signs, I mean, the stickman signs going for ten, eleven thousand, Holden signs for fifteen thousand. Why is there such a resurgence in? Is it man cave collectibles or petrol collectibles? And it, yeah, it is. A, look, there's there's a lot of people that remember going to the service station, the good old service station, when you where you drive in, you would get, you'd pop the bonnet, you'd actually get the service from the from the attendant at the time. So the old oil bottles, they've got fond memories of oil bottles petrol advertising and oil advertising signs from, from back in the day. So now these guys with hot rods, vintage cars, or they like the, uh, you know, the bar sort of memorabilia or, or, or you know, the, the petronalia memorabilia, um, they're setting up rooms very similar to what the service stations look like. Okay. Um, so there, there's a real big following, I think, a nostalgic reason. One example was a Golden Fleece double-sided uh, post-mountain sign last year that we sold at the uh, Adelaide Motorsport Festival auction. Uh, $11,500, and that was about 60 centimetres by 30 centimetres. Now, that's a lot of money for a sign. <laughs> and there's one story I remember, you, it was maybe last year, you said that one of the shed walls was made up of an old enamel sign, and you <laughs> asked them about whether they like their shed or their shed wall or something. You end up taking that down and 
That's right. Uh, I'd walk down to the back of the house and uh, said, oh, is there any, any old petrol signs or oil signs? Uh, the gentleman said that his father was a shell rep. Um, and he said, look, there's nothing left because they got rid of all the petrol advertising things. So I thought, we'll wander down the back and have a look just in case. Walk past the big shed down to the little shed. I could see from a mile away that the shed was made out of enamel signs. Yeah, so okay. we, and they were painted in a silver frost, which I um, gave them a bit of a strip out in the car park <laughs> with, the, with the gurney gun. Um, but beautiful signs. We made two four panel shell signs out of his little garden shed and sold them for over eight and a half thousand wow. dollars for the lot. So. He uh, made his little shed into a big shed. You could buy a couple of, <laughs> so, couple of small Stratcos for that, couldn't you? That's right. So done really really well for the vendor. He, he was stoked. That was great. Yeah, Great story. Pretty good find. Tell me, what keeps you turning up each day? I love it. Yep. I love it. It's what keeps me turning up. It's something I thoroughly enjoy. I can't get enough of it. It's um, one of these things where I think once it's really in your blood, and, you know, me growing up around the whole industry, um, I treat it like it's my home. Mm. Um, and it's just, if I wasn't turning up here for work, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd probably be going crazy at home. Um, but I love the auction industry and, you know, that just, it's it's in the blood and that's all that's all I can say to it. Who or what inspires you? Who or what inspires me? Actually, funny thing is it was my dad. Yep. Um, back in the day, he used to take me around to all the auction, uh, auction, you know, country clearing sales and that sort of thing. And he just, the things that he could do with old furniture, restore it, resell it, make a profit on it. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, but just finding rare gems in sheds and he is like the steptoe and son type of person, um, collector of all sorts of things, mm-hmm. and but loves the, loves the hunt, loves the chase of things. Um, and he really inspires me because he's 73 now and he's still up at half past four or five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. And hitting garage sales because okay. he just can't help himself. <laughs> so <laughs> he um, he really inspires me because he's just he's full of beans and and what um, what are the major changes or change a change you've seen to our industry over say the last ten or fifteen years? The major change that I've seen is how fashions have changed. Um, yes, you know Victorian furniture, the right sort of Victorian furniture is in, but I've seen the teak mid century furniture take off. Um, this is one thing that I never knew would. Um, it's obviously one of these cycles that goes around on a on a regular basis when when people are you know changing furniture, decoration, and that sort of thing. Look, who would have thought the Noblet sideboards or the TH Brown sideboards would be you know selling for what they are now? Um, you just you, you, we couldn't pick it. Mm. It's, it's one of those things where yeah, massive cycle. Different different sort of things are selling well compared to what we used to sell say, 10 or 15 years yeah. ago. <laughs> so yesterday you sold a teak sideboard mm. and it was in magnificent condition mm. and it sold for $1,900. That's right, a teak yeah. nine-footer knoblet sideboard. No, I don't think we could sell a Victorian mahogany or cedar sideboard for $1,000, let alone $2,000. That's right, that's mm. right. And that's how much the market's changed. Um, and even going back to the oil models and the petronalia, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was, it was a bit of a hard sell. And now whoever's sort of held on to it from back then has um, has really done right. <laughs> and what one piece of advice would you give the younger you? Buy as many petrol advertising signs as you could get <laughs> <laughs> and sit on them. And sit on them. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, look, I, I think just enjoy life and enjoy your job. 
that's that's a thing and you know which you know it's advice that I took years ago just to you know be a hard worker and and that sort of thing and that's that's all I could say to my younger self just enjoy what you do wonderful uh, and and love it yeah excellent well Adrian's been a pleasure interviewing you as I said at the start we do not get a chance often to sit down and just have a good talk so it's been my pleasure hope you've enjoyed it you can come by and listen to Adrian Auction every Monday at Scammels. Absolutely. And that's 9 o'clock every Monday morning. Of course, if you can't get down to Scammels, you can go online at www.scammels.com.au and our all of our auctions are webcast and you can actually see Adrian as well as listen to him now. That's anyway, right. Adrian, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jason. Much appreciated. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. And what's it worth this week? A bumper episode. Man flu, nothing to report on last week, but this week. So we're going to look at two auctions. So from the previous week, lot number 191, and this is, again, big news as far as what items are getting at auction. This is a low-line chest of drawers, lot number 191, mid-century, teak, nine drawers, 180 centimetres wide, $900 at auction. And that's still at the height of the teak or retro boom. Following on from the mid-century, a pair of Berber upholstered teak framed chairs. Lovely chairs, probably more for the office. Lot number 195, they sold for $600. Lot number 277, one of my favourites, a leather Chesterfield three-seater. Chalbury, burgundy, deep button with loose cushions. And the best Chesterfields are the ones that have been used. Not scratched, not dented, but used for about five to eight years. They become really pliable and nice. That sold for $1,300. Into the smalls, a lovely little jade sensor. So a sensor uh, used, you can put potpourri in it, you can burn incense in it. Really nice piece, little uh, dog, foo dog on top. That sold, it's 15 centimetres high, so nice size, $280. Lot number 1458, an architectural model, um, really nicely made, uh, nice patina. That sold for 650 and that's in the shape of a dome. So imagine a, a winding staircase uh, that uh, meets from the left and the right into the centre, then goes up to the second floor in a really nice dome. That's quite nice. That's lot number 1458. That's from the previous week, remember? Now, all of these you can look up online if you go to Scammels. Go to our catalogue page and uh, select past auctions. This is from auction 372. Uh, 1462, lot number 1462, a Dalton Lambeth terracotta plaque. Again, really nice. It's called Seek and Ye Shall Find and Searching for the Child Jesus Among the Company. That was by George Tinworth. Done in 1871, 3D relief, beautiful piece, framed, under glass, very heavy, 22 by 54 centimetres, and that sold for $1,000. Lot number 1551, a triola. What's a triola, I hear you ask? Good question. It's a zither with an automatic player on top. So you wind through almost like a pianola roll, but smaller, and it actuates or activates uh, little tines that then play the strings. So it's an automatic zither called a triola. That's sold for $480. Now going to this week's sale, lot number three, oh, sorry, auction number 373. We got lot number 43, a bookcase, two-door teak bookcase, but solid heavy teak, Anglo-Indian, two drawers 
below, glazed doors, three shelves, nice piece, around about 185 centimetres tall. And that sold for $1,000. Beautiful piece though. Lot number 175, a Victorian chest of drawers. Now, not huge money, $360, but it's a resurgence in Victorian chest and Victorian furniture. What I really like about this chest of drawers, lot number 175, it's got beautiful patina. The cedar is really, really nice. So it's an earlier piece of cedar, nice chest of drawers, seven drawers and all, on little bun feet, 360. At that price, a really good buy if you want to get some antique furniture into your house. Now, the big news. This is a, a record. I'm not sure if it's an Australian record. Let's call it now as an Australian record. Lot number 246 from this week's sale is a mid-century teak knoblet four-door sideboard. Beautiful piece. What's interesting about this one is in absolutely immaculate condition. The green felt on the inside looks like it's never seen a piece of cutlery in it. Really nice wave handles, 212 centimetres wide, sold for $1,900. Highest price we've ever got for a teak mid-century sideboard. Lot number 1100, a bracelet, a lovely chunky bracelet, this one. This is nine carat gold filled with numerous nine carat charms, including seals and fobs, and there's a, a ring on there. There's also a couple of coins, looks like a sovereign there as well, including, that's a two half sovereigns. That sold for $1,400, great buying at that price. Lot number 1404, now, odd Holden collectibles. We had a, a spate of Holden collectibles come in, vintage stuff. These are color cards. So Vauxhall and Holden color cards from the mid-50s and 60s, I think it was. So they are essentially paint cards. What color would you like to choose for your FJ? They sold for $300. Lot number 443, for, sorry, 1443, 1443, a glass bottle. This is from the Cascade Brewery in Hobart. A lovely green bottle, full uh, beer bottle. That sold for 340 And finally, into a mantle clock. This one is lot number 1492. French ornate spelter with a figural knight on top. $600. Would have originally had a dome on it, but still sold for a great price. That's what it's worth this week. Bumper episode, two auctions worth. Remember, you can go online at scammels.com.au. Go to our catalogue page and look for either auction 372 or 373 in past auctions. You can go through the entire catalogue, see every price. It's a free tool to do all the research you need to do. There are thousands, tens of thousands of items in there from past auctions. You just do a search on there, look at, it, at not only a photograph, but also what we've sold items for. And that's another episode of The Antique Show, almost at the end, for my closing comments. And I have run way over time, so I want to keep this very, very short. Now, I got up early this morning. I woke up at around about half past four. In fact, it was 4.25 a.m. Please don't ask me why. It just is something I do every now and then. And I woke up and I lay down there and I thought, what does happy mean? I don't really know why I thought this, but I got up there and I started writing some notes on what happy means. And of course, happy means something very different to a lot of people. But I thought there must be some consistency somewhere in what happy means. How do we value happiness? What, what does happy mean to each of us? The reason is, and I, and I suppose the reason I'm pondering this is, people will say, I'm not happy. 
And then you say, well, why? And it's very hard. Oh, this is this happened. Well, you know, did that incident actually make you unhappy, or are you unhappy for other reasons? What I found out is there is a gentleman by the name of Root Venhoven, and he apparently is the godfather of happiness. He's a professor of sociology. He's been studying happiness for 30 or 40 years. There is a world database of happiness, uh, which you can have a look online. There's also the Journal of Happiness. Anyway, it got me thinking about what happiness means to me. So I'm going to start writing down some notes of whether it's goals, it's, it's successes, it's family, it's friends, it's how I feel, it's my health. It's probably all sorts of these things. But I also challenge you, have a think about what happiness actually means to you. What does it look like? Is it something you can touch and feel? Is it an emotion that you feel inside? And if you're not feeling happy about something, then have a look at how you can achieve that perfect picture of happiness for yourself. Anyway, that's it. I've taken up a lot of your time today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've really enjoyed bringing it to you. Mark's waving to me from behind the glass. Join us next week for the fifth episode of The Antique Show. And it's a big one next week. I'm not going to reveal exactly what's going on yet, but I do hope you join us. And don't forget, you can find the podcast on our website at learnantiques.com.au. We also have it on Podbean. You can find it on Apple Podcast. I really hope you also share it. If you think there's someone in your life that would get some benefit out of listening to this or even part of this, please share it with them. Tell them it's called The Antiques Show with an S on the end, The Antiques Show. Have a fabulous weekend. Doesn't matter how you spend your time, just enjoy it. That's The Antique Show brought to you by Scammel Auctions and is produced by... Antique Education Proprietary Limited and features on learnantiques.com and the podcast Podbean for the Antique Show. Copyright 2019.